what will your future look like? The job you do today could be different than the jobs of tomorrow. Some see this as a challenge. At UCF, we see opportunity. A chance for you to grow your knowledge and strengthen your skills from anywhere life might take you. With in-demand degree programs and resources for your success, UCF Online can help you prepare for the future and all the possibilities that come with it. From the University of Central Florida Center for Distributed Learning, I'm Tom Cavanaugh. And I am Kelvin Thompson. And you are listening to TopCast, the teaching online podcast. Greetings, Kelvin. Greetings, Earthling Tom. <laughs> you got the uh, you got those live long and prosper going. For for those not on video, you didn't see Kelvin's dexterous mm-hmm. Spock sign. That's right. Peace and long life. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. Yeah. Infinite That's diversity cool. in infinite combination. I D I C. Your your I'm sorry to tell you this, but your nerd is showing. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> it does. I try to tuck it in, but uh, you know, sometimes it's just it's just gonna fly. It's all right. Sadly. I'm I got my own nerd issues. So I think. <laughs> nerd issues. Yeah, yeah. Speaking it's for a, myself. It's a recovery group for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm taking a daily pill <laughs> to keep me from continually talking about Lord of the Rings or okay, all right, Harry yeah, Potter sure. or something. Yeah, I, I'd be impressed if you could just like break out in Elvish one day. I think that would be awesome. <laughs> I'm not that level of okay. nerd. Yeah, I did read the Silmarillion once. Did you? That's yeah. on my bucket list. Oh, yeah, I yeah. haven't been able to get myself through it. Yeah, it's, but there is a new. It is. Um, there's a new like Amazon series coming out based on the the Second Age. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, huge, yeah. hundreds of millions of dollars. I think budget. Is that a, is that a Peter Jackson thing too, or is it a whole? Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Okay. Interesting. So. Val, now I got something to go look up. Yeah. 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 See now. Oh, I'm sorry, I got to tuck in my nerd. Too yeah. See, the there you go. Yeah, yeah show it again. Uh, we could have a yeah. whole spinoff podcast. We could. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think to, there's plenty of them already. Yeah, there probably are. Oh, there's probably <laughs> way more than there are about online learning. Yeah, I imagine that's true. <laughs> Stick to what we know better. <laughs> like, like coffee, which you know very well. Eh, so before like we uh, we clicked uh, record, you came in here and you you poured a, a you know couple of drams here in my iHeart Topcast mug. And um, I have been sipping while we've prepped, so um, Mm -hmm. I'm enjoying. Mm -hmm. Why don't you tell me what's in the thermos? Sure. Today's coffee, Tom, is a medium roast, single origin Ethiopia from Red Bay Coffee Roasters in Oakland, California. They're so proud of it that they named this coffee King's Prize. And uh, you you might know this, because I think we might have said it before. A lot of Ethiopias have a, I guess we'd say a delicacy to them. Uh, quite often you hear um, uh, notes of blueberry. First time I had a really good Ethiopia as a Florida uh, native, uh, I got notes of muscadine grapes, you know, which is a very, in both cases, there's this kind of this tartness. I got this coffee, though, through a coffee service that I use sometimes that recommends coffees based upon my preferences. And uh, as long as flags are flying. Uh, so they seem to send me coffees they think are, quote, funky and fruity, unquote. Make of that whatever you will. I oh, appreciate I the will. subtleties and I complexities will. that are <laughs> inherent in these kind of coffees. And, and 
and th then a good roaster kind of enhances. Yes, I know, funky and fruity takes takes both a, a good um, coffee of origin and the careful tending by the farmers, and then careful handling by the roasters to to make it just just right, funky and fruity. I will let that flag fly. Okay. Um, how's the coffee? You said it was good, and how's the connection? Yeah. I do like the coffee. You said what uh, connection? Yeah, um, so <laughs> you said I, I don't think funky and fruity is the connection. <laughs> no, knowing what I know about what we're talking about today, but you yeah. you did say that they they kind of uh, customized it a little bit for your own what they mm -hmm. perceive your own personal mm -hmm. tastes are. So mm -hmm. maybe if I look really closely at that, there might mm -hmm. be there might be something there. Yeah, I think that, and um, you know the the whole attention to subtleties, right? Um, there are uh, mm -hmm. nuances and characteristics, and the interplay between the coffee growers and processors and the coffee roasters um, have a, I think, gotcha. a little bit to little yes. bit to do with with uh, with today. That was that's yes. what I was shooting for. I'm going to gotcha. get back on my A game. One of these months, Tom, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be right there again. 20, I know it. Twenty twenty two is the year, Calvin. Well, uh, let's hope. Let's, let's hope. Let's hope. We're right there early today, but uh, you know, it could be. It'll only get better from here. So, why don't you share with our listeners why you selected this coffee and why you think that interplay is relevant? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. All right. So. Sometimes in these episodes or in the TopCast Insider newsletters, which, hey, you can subscribe free, uh, we encourage our listeners to talk back to us with reactions or suggestions or show ideas, questions, whatever. Some do, and thank you very much. Uh, but one particularly memorable contact was from a listener who recently sent in his own seven-minute video recording and sort of mini-pitch of an episode topic based upon his own presentations as an instructional designer. So we thought it was so awesome that we would just play it for you before commenting further. So this is going to come to us from um, a longtime uh, TopCast listener, member of the community, instructional designer Tim McKean, um, who is currently at Arizona State University's Herberger Institute for Design and the Arts, part of Herberger online. And uh, I thought this was brilliant. You want to say anything about this before we cut to it? This is not an interview. This is just a right. little, it's reminiscent of that. But anything you want to say before we let Tim speak? Uh, maybe just one thing that I agree that I thought it was terrific. And um, I think when you and I both kind of watched it separately, we both had the same idea. It's like, we got to play this because yeah, yeah, yeah. we're, we're not going to do it better than Tim no, does. No, 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 so, yeah, uh, I thought it was a great idea. I thought it was a really interesting way of thinking about, um, you know, course design. And, um, and yeah, we wanted to share it with everybody. So definitely thought it was a, it was a, a good show topic. And let's turn the show over to Tim. Hey, Kelvin and Tom, this is Tim McKean. I'm an instructional designer out at uh, Arizona State University out in uh, Tempe, Arizona. And I've uh, been a longtime listener of the podcast. But I wanted to share with you uh, a possible podcast topic that comes with its own coffee connection. And I just, the connection was so great and it was so applicable, especially very um, connected to your recent episode about uh, faculty and the role and value that faculty play in 
uh, online course design that I wanted to share this with you and and maybe give you a topic to uh, to bring up on the show as well. Um, so I've been working on this conference presentation um, around this idea of light roast course design. And I'm not locked in on that title yet because you'll see later on that maybe light roast isn't actually what you want. Um, but I know Kelvin loves his uh, single origin light roasts or medium roasts or things like that. And so I... I um, came up with this presentation that I gave to my team and I'm thinking of, of um, submitting it to some local conferences, but it, it's based on this idea that, you know, that coffee is a cherry, right? That comes and at some point it's grown and it has a life of its own uh, as a fruit before it, you know, moves on to becoming um, our favorite drink. And so it's grown, it's harvested, at some point it's it's processed, it's dried, and there are different methods for drying and different methods for natural processing or washing them. Um, and then at some point it gets uh, roasted by a roaster. And there is all of these chemical things that happen in the roasting and there's this huge spectrum. And I know Kelvin, you already, you already know all this probably. Uh, there's this huge spectrum and depending on where the roaster stops the roasting process, it can bring out different aspects of that. And that's how we end up with all these flavors that we're always talking about, hints of cherry or um, spicy or sugary or things like that. Uh, they don't actually add those flavors in. It's just the where the acids are uh, at the time that the roasting stops. And I found this really cool uh, flavor wheel for uh, for coffee roasters to, to that there are ways of, I don't know, I guess there's ways of maybe targeting uh, or thinking about uh, the different kind of flavors that you're, you're extracting from your roast. Um, I really liked these descriptions here of how the, the characteristics of the different roast levels, where in a light roast, uh, the origin of the beans are the most distinct. And then in the medium roast, you start to balance that flavor. Medium dark gets a little bittersweet. Um, and then in the dark roast, the original flavor is gone and the flavor of the roasting process comes out. And, and in my research, I came across this idea that the less a food is cooked, the more you taste the work of the farmer, the more a food is cooked, the more you taste the work of the chef. So if you're eating a, a raw apple, what you're tasting is completely the product produced by that apple farmer. But if you're eating an apple pie, what you're tasting is much more based on the work of the baker and very much less the, the quality of the apple um, at, to some degree. And so I make this connection or to our course design process. Uh, the less a course is cooked, for a better, a lack of a better term, uh, the more you taste the work of the instructor, uh, the more you get the personality of the instructor, the more you get the character of the instructor, uh, maybe the... Uh, the very unique aspects of that instructor. And the more a course is cooked, the more you taste the work of the production team. That's our my production team over here on the right side. And we had a great conversation about different courses and where they sit on that spectrum. We've had some courses, uh, like you can see Liz Lerman here on, on the slide. Um, she's got a great personality. She's got a great passion for her subject of of dance and leadership and different things that she's connected to dance. And so when we were building her course, we wanted to make sure that we were keeping her personality uh, genuine, that we were keeping her presence, keeping her, her uh, uniqueness in the course. 
and a lot of schools and some big schools, um, uh, I don't want to name any that, that are very heavily templatized, um, are kind of like that dark roast kind of thing, you know, and I think you guys have talked about before, like the reason that Starbucks or some of the big chains kind of do dark roast is because once you've roasted it to a certain degree, you've almost, it almost doesn't matter how good the bean was to start with. Uh, you've come out with something that's good enough or that's very uniform and, and reliable and predictable. Uh, and that's kind of what happens when schools use these very templatized, very standardized kind of approaches to course design. You come out with something that's going to be very consistent, something that's going to be very reliable. It's going to work every time, but it doesn't have character. It doesn't have any uniqueness um, and the and the unique character of the origin or the unique character of the instructor has kind of been cooked out of it. Um, so th- again, that so that's the connection to to all to all of that idea of that the degree that you process a, um, a course in the design process, you can actually process the instructor out, or you can work really hard to keep the character of that instructor involved. And like I said, uh, the example of, of Liz here, we wanted, we worked really hard to make sure that her character, her personality, her uh, uniqueness shone through the course, because that would, you know, she's a great instructor. We wanted to highlight her work and her ideas. But I've also had courses that came to me because the instructor was lacking, because the course was getting bad reviews and say, okay, you can go work with Tim and build an online course to kind of mediate the instructor's unique unique issues out of the course so that the course worked better so that the course was more reliable was more uh, standard so there you know that was a course where we did want more of that dark roast kind of a, a feeling uh, because we needed to remove some of some of the more uh untasty qualities of the instructor uh so i thought that was interesting i wanted to share it with you guys um if you want to talk more you have my email address Hopefully it leads to a good conversation at the least. Thanks for all your work on the show and everything you guys do. Thanks. Bye. And we're back. <laughs> so so let's have some more of that, right? Listeners who write in, talk back, write their own write their own episode. <laughs> write their own episode. Yeah. It makes our job a lot easier. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That was brilliant though, right? It was. It was great. And and I can't tell you how much we appreciate that. It certainly exceeded my expectations of the kind of feedback we get from listeners. Oh, man. New bar. New bar. New bar. Yeah. You can all write in. You don't have to be at Tim McKean level, right? uh, (laughs) We take email suggestions, too. All the time. All the time. Actually, we've done a number of shows based on email suggestions. It's absolutely true. Absolutely true. You know, stop talking about coffee. Well, I don't know if we would take that advice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I thought this was a show about online learning. Yes. (laughs) With coffee. (laughs) With coffee. Yeah. Yeah. No, hey, we we got to feed the beast. We always have to find stuff to talk about. So if you have things that you want to hear, we're all for getting feedback. Yeah. But that, that Tim, he knows both his coffee and his instructional design, I would say. He does. Yeah. I I learned a lot about coffee. As Mm -hmm. much as I've learned from you, I still have more to learn. Yeah. I mean, I I learned stuff. Absolutely. Um, I got a couple of thoughts. Please do. So um, I had two. Uh, One is it reminded me a little bit of the um, accessibility construct that we have where um, the more uh, 
proactive you are, oh, the more oh. it's the faculty member kind of oh, yeah, owning yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I gotcha. And the more reactive you are, the more mm-hmm. it's like the instructional design team and everybody else has to just yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, I can see that. I can see so that. that I thought was an interesting mm-hmm. analog, a callback to a previous discussions that we've had. We'll, uh, and, we'll, put, a, we'll put a link to that. Uh, that previous uh, episode discussion in the show notes. I can't remember the episode number right this moment. We'll put it in the show notes if you're curious about that. Yeah, I should have looked it up, uh, but I didn't. Um, and then the other is, it, I, I'm kind of hearkening back um, to to my prior experience at another university where we used master course templates mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. were that were pretty locked down. There was a mechanism for updating it by the people who teach it, but it was it was a process, right? as opposed to kind of where we are now, where it's a lot more faculty autonomy, and our job is to help realize the faculty's vision of the course. And um, those seem to be on two ends of the same kind of spectrum. Um, Not to say that there isn't variability in each of those, but um, I I couldn't help but kind of like place myself into, into Tim's framework a little bit. I think that's good. I think that's good. Um, I think... um, just to kind of hone in on what seemed to me to be kind of his kind of central device in in all this, less cooked equals more of the farmer mm-hmm. or instructor in the case of course design, and more cooked equals more of the chef or a roaster or kind of the design process or the ID, the instructional designer. And I thought, yeah, I mean, I just I can just chew on just that for a while, just to kind of think that holds up a lot. I'm sure it breaks down ultimately, you know, all analogies and metaphors do, but there's a lot that's instructive in that, I thought. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and of course, as it so often does, the answer to what's right for your institution mm-hmm, mm-hmm, is it depends, right? Because mm-hmm. um, there's individual context, there's individual culture, there's different reasons for doing things. And, and, and you could find yourself at different points on that light roast, dark roast spectrum Maybe even within an institution at various points, mm-hmm. depending upon what you're doing yeah, and yeah, yeah, why, sure. you, why you're doing it. But um, understanding kind of the impact of those decisions, I think, is one of the more valuable things that, that Tim sort of put a light on. Yeah, I think, I think, that's, I think that's right. It also, um, it also reminded me, Tom, I don't I think we've talked about this before, and maybe there's some resources we can put in the show notes on this too, but our, our former... Uh, UCF colleague, Dr. Bill Phillips, he had a line of, of scholarly inquiry around what he called the instructor persona, not to be confused with um, like the idea of instructor presence from the community of inquiry model, but instructor persona. And I think it, 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 it kind of touches uh, Tim McKean's comments uh, uh, a little bit, because Bill's um, thing was kind of this, this how, you, how you project yourself uh, as the instructor into this designed uh, environment and kind of kind of the ethos, how does that ethos come across and, and all of that. At least I, that's, my, that's my stumbling attempt to summarize <laughs> Bill's, Bill's work. But did, did, that, did that seem reminiscent to you of that too? Yeah, I get that too. Yeah, because I mean, Bill's persona work was a lot about how, how do you put your personality 
mm-hmm. into a, an asynchronous online mm-hmm. course because mm-hmm. when you're standing up in front of a room talking to people in person, it's your personality is is like the medium is the message. It's it's right. part of why and how people engage with you. Mm-hmm. It's much harder online. And so how do you carry that across? And we've had faculty do all kinds of things. You know, we have pictures of their pets and their cats yeah. and yeah, everything, right. you know, their kids. I, I, and, I got mental pictures of particular colleagues that are yeah, popping up in my head right now. <laughs> of course, yeah. And, and they'll be the first to tell you that they do that so that the yep. students can connect with them personally. That's right. Which, which makes it easier for them to teach them, right? Yep. Um, so all of that is kind of baked in. I think Think about when um, when uh, we, we were having some conversations a while ago with our College of Education, and they had asked for their faculty to, when they went through our faculty development process, to not just build a course for themselves, but to build a generic version of the course that kind of belonged to the college. So that, you know, if, if they left or if they needed to get that course taught, they had a version that was sort of like a a vanilla version of the course. But then they were told, the faculty were told, okay, take that and then you jazz it up mm-hmm. however mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. want, you know, to teach it for yourself, you know? So put your pictures of your pets and stuff in, but don't don't put that in the template version that gets right. shared potentially right. 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 With, right. with an adjunct or somebody else. And, you know, these, it's a way to sort of kind of thread the needle of both ends of this light roast, dark roast spectrum a little bit. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that makes sense. That's that's good, helpful context, and and it's not surprising to come from a from a college of education where uh, there are experts in the whole teaching and learning process at a deep level. So they get that nuance, um, and I and I get the the uh, the the context from your prior institution where there's more of a reliance on a on a standardized or templated or uh, master course kind of a framework. Um, and there was a particular reason for that, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was uh, there were a lot of adjuncts, and mm-hmm. um, right. the, the courses were designed by full-time and mostly yeah. tenure-track faculty that kind of owned them, but they, they, were, they were taught by a lot of adjuncts literally all over the world. Mm-hmm. So that locked-down template, <laughs> the dark roast, um, is... Is a quality control measure as much as as much yeah. as anything else. No, right, I, I get it. To me, all of that underscores the. We talk about this a lot here. I don't remember if we've how much we talked about this on mic, but there's an interplay between design and teaching, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you can you can here's the course design, and we can sort of separate that over here, and you can do like a standards based uh, course design review to kind of put a stamp of yay, good for you, quality on it or something. But then there's teaching, and even in your context uh, that you were describing from your past institution, while you want that that quality assurance of the course design, you still hopefully have hired uh, skillful uh, adjuncts who are then going to bring in the lived experience, not in the designed environment, but in the lived experience, are going to bring themselves into that through... Um, their own expertise in responsiveness and um, follow-up and uh, feedback and yep, yep. Uh, intervention, all those <clears throat> kinds of things. So sure. it, is a, it is an interplay, right? 
Yeah, and, th- and that, that of course, was part of the training. Yeah, yeah, yeah of uh, course. Like, you know, here's how you use announcements in yeah. the discussion board to, like, be yourself and to yeah. communicate on a one-on-one basis with your class. You know, all, and then there was, like I said, a mechanism for feedback that would inform course design updates mm-hmm. based on the experience of actually uh, teaching mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it, it was from this foundation, though, that... Um, that was sort of immutable <laughs> that yeah, and then yeah, you kind of yeah, yeah. you dressed it up with your own with your own personality yeah i don't want to stretch tim's um uh, illustration to the breaking point but i do wonder though the more that you're toward that um design heavy um dark roast um kind of emphasis you know maybe there is more of a distinct separation between design and teaching versus if you're down on that that other end of the spectrum, that light roast, um, so much of the, the the farmer or the instructor's um, design uh, influence and presence, maybe it's much harder to disentangle design and teaching at that mm-hmm. level. Yeah, I could see that. Um, you know, I think about a course that might be like a, I don't know, a special topics course on current events or something, and and you kind of don't know what the topic's going to be from week to week if you right. yeah. whatever it is, yeah, right? You know, if you're if you're in a discussion board That's and you're right. going to have a weekly right. synchronous kind of check in, and then you have an asynchronous yeah. discussion. I don't know, I'm just making up a course right now, yeah, yeah. but um, that that's one that's going to sort of rely on the faculty, the professor, to to kind of structure and facilitate that kind of on the fly. It's not something that, Mm -hmm. you know, you can build the bare bones sort of outline, but the actual content and stuff is probably going to be constructed as you go along. And um, that, that is about as light roast as you can, you can probably get. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It also reminds me, some of, some of this conversation reminds me of um, our recent ish episode uh, on faculty voice and faculty valuing, right? I mean, some of this is, is, is that, right? It's, the, it's what do you bring to the table? But then there is, as we said in that episode, there is um, value that other professionals bring to the table, instructional designers, uh, professional media producers, and so forth. Would it be helpful just to, maybe we don't have time to get into this uh, exhaustively, but would it be helpful just to kind of recap at a high level, Tom, just some... <laughs> Just what is the value add of instructional design? Like we, you know, the light roast is we were kind of talking about a lot here, right? But, um, but there is value in relying on um, professional instructional designers and and others. So, what kind of things come to your mind when we talk about uh, the value add of instructional design? Uh, well, there's there's a, there's a number of like um, compliance things that they can mm-hmm. just help with mm-hmm. uh, things like accessibility mm-hmm. and usability, you know, stuff that um, that you just need, like table stakes kinds of, of issues that need to be built into a course. Now, that's probably not the most value add that an instructional designer can bring, but it, it maybe is like the step one of the ladder, the first rung as you're, mm-hmm. as you're starting to construct things. Yeah. So th- that's, that's kind of one area. Mm-hmm. And in fact, to your point, uh, I can remember uh, some uh, teaching faculty colleagues who've gone through our um, voluntary um, course design review process and get feedback. And uh, I remember some folks saying, yep, yeah, my, my course is much more accessible now. And see, that's, that's like, a, that's after the fact review, you know, not, yeah, you know, upfront yeah. design, but after the fact feedback. And okay, from an instructional designer's perspective, like you said, you 
you're more standards based, and that benefits students, right? Um, sure. I like. I also think about things like alignment between, you know, the intended learning outcomes, mm -hmm. the content presentation, opportunities for interaction between and among uh, students and faculty, and uh, learning assessment. I think there's kind of a closed line of, of alignment yep. there that you yep. want to see a through line through. Well, you've just described the, you know, sort of the, the center of the bullseye for the for the value proposition of instructional design. It's it's all of that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what I like to also say around maybe the next ring around that would be, um, at least our instructional designers try to add um, add the kind of value to a course that a, that a faculty member didn't even know is possible. Yes. So that they they might have this vision for their course, but it's limited by their own you know understanding of online instruction, sure, sure. and and we bring to bear these consultants who are experts yep. in online instruction who might say, well, have you thought about this? And the faculty mm -hmm. is like, ah, oh, I didn't even know I could do that. You know, th those are the stories I love to hear. Where where we just we take a, a faculty member's vision and we put it on steroids and can and can kind of bring mediated through the instructional designer all the resources of the department to bear whether it's media mm -hmm. production or you know programming or, or whatever the case might be yeah for sure i don't know if tim would agree with this or not but you know maybe as we talk and we begin to wrap this conversation up around tim's work may, you know it strikes me that maybe like in so many things maybe a balance is best you know the uniqueness of the instructor's persona and expertise along with good design practices that benefit students. There are probably times that you want the full dark roast. There's probably times that you want the full light roast. So I don't know if that means medium roast is the, you know, is the, is the target, but some kind of a balance. Maybe that's the, if you're going to pick one as a general approach, maybe that's the sure. Way to go. Yeah, there's some days I feel like having a little bit of a stronger cup of coffee, yeah, and gotcha. there's some days where maybe a little bit lighter, or maybe I want to decaf in the afternoon. I mean, who knows? I think it, you know everyone is called for it for in a different circumstance and for a different purpose, um, but they all kind of have their place on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Well, you want to try to land the plane for us? Sure. So um, I think I think Tim would agree that almost. Any worthwhile endeavor uh, benefits from collaboration, and effective course design obviously is no different. So the partnerships between faculty and instructional designers can bring about a design that we think is is cooked just enough. In the in the words of our friend Goldilocks, it's just right. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, our friend Goldilocks. <laughs> yes, yeah, my close personal acquaintance, Goldilocks. This has been yeah. Fractured Fairy Tales. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, no, that's good. Uh, I, okay. I think that's good. All right, so coffee uh, is kind of run out. Thank you very much for the generous Ethiopian mm -hmm. bean. Uh, mm -hmm. Thank you especially to Tim McKean for sending in that, uh, and uh, hopefully he's inspired all of you listening to, to right. do something similar <laughs> or even just an email with something that you think is of, of interest to the community. We'd be happy to talk about it. That's topcast at ucf.edu. Oh, That's right, thank you. Um, so... Uh, until next time, for TopCast, I'm Tom. I'm Kelvin. See ya.